Happy New Year to you, Benjamin Mayo. Happy New Year to you, Zachary Hall. 2023. You had a nice holiday? I, I did. I watched a lot of TV shows, movies, uh, spent time with family, friends. Went to my first NBA game last night. It was uh, New Orleans Pelicans against the Houston Rockets. And at no point were the Pelicans behind and they won. That was a good experience. Very nice. Need, I need uh, next, what is it called? Next VR? Apple's yes. Apple yeah. acquisition to have more of those experiences. Is this well, the year of the headset? This might maybe? be the year, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Next VR is about to, about to, you, you reported on that, right? That was what? I was first to report. January 2020. Sounds right. Yeah. 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 So before pandemic hit, you are yeah. all over that story. And yeah. we're now three years on. And you might actually see the, the fruits of the labor in, in a product this year. <laughs> yeah. This is the year. This is it. Yeah. So more on the headset later today. Not, not like later this year. I mean, probably later this year too. But anyway, uh, let's talk about HomeKit. So we, we discussed the rollout of Apple's um, all new architecture for HomeKit, which became available in, I think it became available in iOS 16.2. Yeah. Um, this is the version that makes your iPad no longer a home hub. And it also does other stuff maybe maybe enhances reliability maybe enhances speed maybe reduces no response time um big it thing ne- here, nebulously does something but i think nebul- yeah i think generally what it's meant to do is like the home hubs store the the latest states and they can they they become the owner of the accessories whereas the old architecture each individual device would like ask and query the 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 accessories and the only thing the hubs would do was relay for remote access, basically the networking channel. But the new architecture, the like the state lives on the home hub and like its memory. So the idea is if you open the home app, you don't you see far less of the like updating dot 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 because the home hub immediately reports the latest state. That's kind of the the gist. Even though Apple hasn't actually like fine-grained documented that anywhere, that seems to be how it works. And in yeah. practice, I think it and that's why they say that it um matters more if you're if you're in a home with a lot of accessories because if you only have a few you know your individual device can update quite quickly regardless but if you have a lot then it becomes a lot more slower whereas if the state is always on the home hub it's like a you know it's like a pull it's like a pulling versus push kind of model right so Mm -hmm. uh, if you have a lot of accessories you definitely see more of a difference Uh, in my case performance has been about i'd say you know roughly comparable to uh what i had before but i only have a very limited number of accessories currently in the home app on the watch is a lot better because on the in i have noticed because before like if you try to use the home app on the watch it was so unresponsive it would take forever to do anything but now it's a lot a lot more snappy so that, um, that has been a change um but i think in general for me i'd say it's mostly a a wash like i haven't really noticed anything get worse haven't really noticed anything get better like it's about even uh, but since 16.2 came out, there's been a whole lot of people saying they've had problems. Some people saying it's been fine, but a lot, you know, but just as many people complaining about issues, accessories not responding, especially if you had um, multiple people in your home. Uh, the inv- if you upgrade the architecture, the other people in your home couldn't get in. The invites wouldn't work. You'd send an invite, they wouldn't be able to accept it. They'd be stuck out. So all sorts of issues that nice that neatly landed in customers' hands just before Christmas. So I'm sure Apple were regretted rolling out when they did <laughs> because very quickly they actually have pulled the update. So it was always an optional thing. Like you can update to 6.2 without upgrading your home architecture. 
after you upgrade to 6.2, you can go into the home app and click on the button that says upgrade home architecture. And it would warn you that every device in your home needs to be updated. It would show you um, devices that aren't on the latest version. It would then remind you that other people in your home you've invited also need to update their devices. And you could, you know, cancel it and update and do it later, or you could continue on. But, you know, the app was prompting people to do it. It wasn't like buried in the setting somewhere it would like alert you and prompt you and you click on that and you go through the setup wizard but now apple's changed the like the back end server side thing so that it no longer prompts you to do it you can't do it anymore if you even if you wanted to uh, they released a statement on this uh, apple said we're aware of an issue that may impact the ability of users to share the home within the home app a fix will be available soon in the meantime we've temporarily removed the option to upgrade to the new home architecture users who have upgraded previously will not be impacted and they also um, released like a support document giving like a workaround. So if you are in the state where you can't invite people back to your home, there is a, apparently a way to do it. And it's like a bit clumsy, but there's like a six step process that you can do. And supposedly that fixes for people. But if you've already up, if you've already upgraded to the architecture, you, you can't go back. And this pulling of the thing right. doesn't make it like revert. It just means you're stuck there. Um, and if you haven't updated yet, it just means you're stuck on the old system and Sometime soon, there'll be a software update that supposedly fixes all the issues, and then they'll re-enable it again. But it wasn't the smoothest deployment of the of the new architecture. <laughs> the nebulous architecture. Uh, yeah, the nebulous architecture. I, I updated. Did you, have you changed yours? I updated it as soon as I... I mean, I put everything on, on the beta version before 16.2 was mm. out. Um, like, usually, I don't bother with the Apple TV, for example, or the HomePods, but... I was on the beta for another reason, I think, and and um, was like, well, I might as well do this. So, so I, I was there before the release officially, um, and and I'm haven't initiated a share with anybody, and so I haven't ran into any issues with that. But uh, and and then also like my accessories are HomePods, Apple TVs, and then um, currently Hue lights that run through one bridge. So I imagine yeah. if something goes through one bridge, like. Um, my old home was wired with Lutron everywhere, but I would imagine that like the 20 accessories would, would really talk to one bridge and that's how HomeKit would view it. Yeah, exactly. So like mm -hmm. you, the Philips Hue like endpoint is the bridge. So right. it, when Apple says, if you've got more accessories in your home, that's what matters. It probably doesn't actually make much of a difference because all the mm -hmm. data flows through that one but it's single if point got anyway. Like yeah. a bunch it's of really setting up for the future where you know the the theoretical future of like you have loads of matter accessories in your house that are all independent and they all communicate directly to the hub rather than having them connect via a bridge or whatever but right now most matter things don't exist and if they do exist they they funnel through a hub like philips hughes announced matter support but what that means is the hub will add matter and all the accessories will still run through or still relay through their hub their their bridge um to to the home hub situation so it's it's setting up the home architecture for the future maybe they shouldn't have um done it quite as soon as they didn't give it slightly more qa so they didn't have to immediately roll it back which you know is inconvenient frustrating for people that were impacted and just a bit embarrassing in general uh but it's not the worst thing in the world. Oh, if you go on the HomeKit subreddit, there are people complaining like, well, the, the, the Apple statement addresses the sharing issue, you know, with the invitations. But what about the problems I'm having where all my accessories are just not responding and I can't fix it? it most people in those who have been in that bucket have just had to do the nuclear thing of deleting the whole home and re-add every accessory, which yeah. sucks because it's painful and laborious and if, you, if you're in the HomeKit subreddit you've got a lot of HomeKit accessories so it takes a while uh, but that does seem to get things back in order uh, but no, but there isn't like an alternative way to sort that we've that has been reported on it's like well just delete your home and start again but 
So just be aware of that. But I, I would generally recommend people do upgrade because you don't want to be on the old system because it's, who knows how long it's going to stick around. And I presume at some point new newer features will require being on the new architecture and they're going to like future iOS versions will assume, because that's just how software works, it'll assume you're on the modern system, not the old system. Mm-hmm. So get in line uh, <laughs> when they reopen it, presumably in maybe like 60.3 or something. Yeah, right now bleeding edge technology <laughs> running my house. Yep. And then uh, also uh, over the break, uh, actually, I guess this week, uh, Apple's increased the price of battery replacement across many devices, including the iPhone. Um, and this isn't like the price increase that they did from like discounting it to the normal price. This is the normal price becoming a higher normal price, right? Yeah, although it's not, they haven't, they've announced it's going to go up. So it's going up in March. It's not right now, you can still get the existing prices. Um, and you're, you're, you're right they've upgraded they've they've updated they've they've announced that they're going to increase the price across like all of their mobile devices but obviously what people mostly care about is the iphone because that's mm-hmm. the biggest product and it's where you most care about getting your battery replaced anyway um and like you said back in was it 2018 uh there was the whole you know battery throttling scandal which then meant apple was like oh we're sorry um you can now upgrade your battery for only 29 dollars for a while they let that run through 2019 uh then apple complained that or apple um was frustrated with earnings results and one of the reasons why they they said the iphone 10r didn't sell as well as it should is because people had upgraded their batteries instead of upgrading their phone uh they only ever promised that the battery um, replacement program would run for one year anyway so at the end of 2019 the price went up from 29 dollars back to 69 dollars which i still think is slightly lower what it used to be like i'm I, I i would have to look this up but i think before the battery scandal happened the normal price for an iphone battery replacement was like 79 dollars. so they they went they went from 29 uh up to 69 which is slightly less than what it was before but it sat at 69 dollars since the end of 2019 right the way through to now and now they've announced the price is going up from 69 dollars to uh, $89 is going to be an extra $20 increase starting from March the 1st. So if you're sitting here today and you're like, wow, I really need to get my battery replaced. You've looked at battery health and you're getting you're getting degraded performance. Uh, do it in the next two months at an Apple store and it'll be $20 cheaper than if you do it for the rest of this year or going forward. I don't think there's anything necessarily sinister about the price going up. I mean, it's a re- inflation is a reality of life. Inflation affects all parts. It would be nice if Apple didn't like... Like I, I'm pretty sure the cost of battery replacement to them is less than $89, but they've always taken a small profit on it. I think the only time they weren't making profit on it was when it was $29 because uh, there's labor costs involved, right? And they have to worry about shipping and stuff. Um, but for as long as Apple's going to make money on this service, the price has to go up in line with the components going up. And so it's going from $69 to $89 to, to account for that. Uh, the... Uh, The $69-$89 price only applies to like newer phones, i.e. the phones that have um, notches. It's like iPhone X and newer. If you're Mm. on a super old device or you have an iPhone SE, the price is $49, which will also increase to $69. So uh, $20 increase across the board. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, My only question here is, um, is it still cheaper? Well, no. Is it now cost effective to do it yourself through the Apple Repair program? Through the self service store? Yeah, that is a question. Yeah. I'm no, assuming that, that when March rolls around, they'll just increase the prices on the self self service repair store as well. Right. And yeah. it'll match. Because so right now so- it's like conveniently basically the same price to do it through self service or to do it through Apple. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if it did get $20 expensive only through Apple, 
uh, then it would be cheaper to do it yourself. But I don't think that's going to stay like that. I reckon the, right. the self-service e- e- prices Even though the labor well. is on yourself, the Apple doesn't want to incentivize DIY for the wrong reasons. They haven't seen too keen on it, right? Because if you're looking purely financial, it would make sense for them to make self-service slightly discounted because they don't want people doing repairs. That's you know They do make money off it, but it's not like a profit center for them it's more of a inconvenience it's like too annoying they get people come to the apple store they clog up all the repair channels just to get the battery replaced like i think they would love it if from a purely um economics perspective they would love it if people just repaired it themselves uh, but they don't like it from a philosophical perspective from the idea of people you know replacing their own phones people they know that most people don't want to do it themselves or they'll make a mistake then they'll feel bad like so they make it the same price basically i think to like tacitly encourage you to get it done through them regardless but yeah if it was purely a a business thing um i think they would make self-service repairs slightly cheaper because then they can just reduce the amount of um build up in their official processes which i don't think they really want because they're still gonna i think i think even if you buy through self-service repair at a slight discounted price they would still make their profit margin on the components it'd just be like Mm -hmm. now you don't have to worry about using apple using apple labor apple contract labor they can be doing you know actual repairs that really matter not battery replacements but they philosophically don't believe in uh repairing your own stuff some you know for some reason for some reasonable reasons some less so reasonable reasons and so it's the same price so yeah they haven't actually said the self-service repair price is going up but i'm assuming that's going to be what happens come yeah, come March. to watch there and, and you know in, in just a few years there's that idea out of the eu that iphone or all consumer electronic component batteries should be replaceable easily quote easily reason. yeah <laughs> is the self-service repair store an easy repair that is the question yeah, relatively easy. Relatively easy is easier than it was two years ago. But is it easy enough for the EU? That's a that's a problem for Apple to wrangle with. And mm-hmm. but I think I think that that that's in like draft phases, and it? it's for like twenty twenty five ish. So yeah, they've got a while before they worry about that. This episode of Happy Hour is brought to you by PIA. Your internet service provider can know literally everything about what you do online. It's like giving your laptop to a stranger and opening up your browsing history for all to see. And that's just one of the reasons why you should use a VPN when you go online. And I want to tell you about one of the best VPNs out there and easily one of the most affordable ones that I've seen. PIA. It stands for Private Internet Access. Sign up at piavpn.com slash happy hour. As you might be able to tell from the name, they take privacy seriously. PIA hides your IP address and encrypts your entire connection. That means no one can see what you're doing online while you're using them not your isp not network admins not any hackers that happen to be on the wi-fi nobody pii never record or store user data and their no logs policy has even been verified in court and you can also use pii to get endless entertainment options you can virtually change your location and access content on streaming services that are normally geolocked you can connect to a vpn hosted on over 83 countries around the world and there's a dedicated server for every state in the united states and just one membership can protect up to 10 of your devices at the same time. Uh, what I love about PIA is just how easy it is. It's great as there's there's basically no setup as they have apps for all Apple devices. So on my iPhone, for instance, I just downloaded the app, signed in, and the app sets everything up for you. It installs the, the profiles. It's all, it's all automatic. So then all you have to do is just press the big power on button to connect securely through their VPN. 
And PIA has over 30 million downloads to date. So see for yourself how it makes browsing so much better. Right now, go to piavpn.com slash happy hour to get a whopping 82% off your VPN service plus four free months with a two-year plan. It comes out to around two bucks a month. You can't beat that. And there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's piavpn.com slash happy hour for 82% off private internet access. PIAVPN.com slash happy hour. Thanks to PIA for sponsoring the show. First VPN I ever used, PIA. Next up, we've got uh, news from the information on. We have some uh, information, <laughs> as always, from, uh, uh, I believe, Wayne Ma, as usual. And it's about uh, the iPhone 14 and how it, the chip inside could have been more ambitious on the gpu uh, side what's that story yeah so this is an interesting thing so specifically for the iphone 14 pro line apple was apparently planning to do a bigger gpu upgrade than what eventually shipped and if you look back at the september 2022 event when they announced the iphone 14 pro and they talk about the silicon they talk um a bit about the cpu cores being a little bit fast they talk a bit about the uh, neural engine being a lot better when it comes to the gpu uh, they say it's got up to 50% more memory bandwidth. And that's it. They don't mention the cores. They don't mention the architecture changing, nothing. Well, it turns out that that's because it didn't. And the, the cores of the GPU in the iPhone 14 Pro line are essentially the same as the cores in the iPhone 13 chip, um, which is the same chip that's in the iPhone 14 baseline models, right? Because for the first year, they, they're repeating the chip from the previous year. Uh, but apparently Apple didn't want that to be the case. Originally, they wanted more differentiation and they were planning to include in the A16 a much bigger upgrade in the GPU, which would run a new architecture and include a lot of newer features, including things like hardware ray tracing for better fidelity games and stuff. And that was originally going to be planned for the iPhone 14 Pro line as one of the you know flagship features. But late in development or late enough that they had to cancel it was... Uh, they realized that their early like simulations because the way chips are made is they come up with designs in software on like a CAD you know system and they run like virtual simulations to check heat usage and power consumption and performance estimates before they get it fabbed at a factory right so in the simulations they were like oh great we can add all these features and then according to the information when they actually made prototypes real prototypes they discovered that they had vastly overestimated how much stuff they could pack into the chip this year um, and the prototypes were running too hot that would impact battery life it would make the device feel too warm in people's hands basically it was unfeasible so they had to use a backup plan which was to take the gpu core design from the previous generation and you know soup it up a little bit and then ship with those putting the you know fancy gpu core on the back burner for the next generation i.e the iphone 15 uh the, the the information said that this is a rare blunder for the group and it's never happened before on the iphone so this is apparently unprecedented in the sense that every single time before now apple has you know thought that they'd be able to ship something in the iphone cpu silicon and they did but for whatever reason there was a big problem they made a mistake and it didn't happen this time around the the remainder of the information story talks about like the lawsuits going on with um, the startups like Rivo, Nuvia, where basically Apple had a bit of an engine, uh, a bit of a brain drain in the engineering um, silicon group. So people left, and they've they've joined their own startups, made their own chips. Apple says that they've stolen proprietary uh, intellectual property, so now they're suing them about it. But even 
outside of that the idea is that you know apple's chip team headed by johnny saruji maybe isn't as appealing to labor as it used to be people are leaving people don't like the long hours they're getting higher pay from elsewhere so they're departing and they never specifically wrote that this was linked to why they're now making mistakes but that was the implication was like you know apple's chip team isn't the the golden goose that it used to be they've got flaws they've got cracks in the armor and here's one example where it fell on their face i.e the gpu in the iphone 14 pro was not as good as they wanted to be you can also look at cpu performance increases more recently the performance increases in apple silicon have been less than they used to be and you could maybe say that the smart people at apple that were making these massive leaps in performance have now left and so they're not there anymore or you could come from the position of like apple couldn't make the gains it was making forever you know just look at the numbers it was impossible and now they, they're butting up against the realities of physics and there isn't much room to make massive leap changes without changing the the fab size and the iphone 14 pro chip was built on five nanometer just like the last three iphones were so there wasn't much room for super crazy performance improvements um so you, that's a more of a judgment call but the the factual part of the story is the anecdote about the gpu which i thought was quite interesting yeah, yeah, and uh, ray tracing. It, 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 my first ever hearing of that, um, aside from like PS Five and stuff, it, it, probably ever was whenever the Unity Lights Watch Face came out on Feather Watch. Mm. Yeah, and so, that was two D ray tracing because obviously two D ray tracing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. and three D ray tracing you can do like it's just math, right? It's just a an algorithm, so you can do it in a CPU, you can do it in a GPU today, you can do it on the iPhone. But the, the the reality is to get it working in a game environment at good frame rates, you really need hardware acceleration. So you need the GPU to be designed with ray tracing in mind to have the special you know lanes and components to do it. Just like they have a neural engine um, for neural networking tasks, like you can run those right. exact same tasks on the CPU and GPU. It's just way slower. So by having a GPU designed with ray tracing in mind, you can make those. Um, those operations much faster and actually be able to render 3d environments with ray tracing enabled giving you much better lighting and brightness and shadows and reflections and stuff and so if you look on the desktop gpu side modern uh like for the last two or three years amd and nvidia gpus have touted hardware ray tracing as a big feature but it hasn't really been available on the mobile front and it looked like apple wanted to like leapfrog the competition and be like we have ray tracing in 2022 on you know natively on the gpu but they they couldn't do it for yeah an so, engineering so the, reason yeah so the first iphone 15 pro rumor probably in that case. or at least one of the iphone 15 <laughs> pro rumors yeah 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 it, it would be awfully strange if the iphone 15 pro chip comes out and doesn't do this <laughs> maybe in that case it was misinformation it was misinformation. yeah uh, also some stuff from analyst jeff Pugh, who um is track record uh, not as established as being yeah, decent. Not as established as Ming Chi Kuo. He's newer to the scene, but um, yeah, he, he writes for Hei Tong H A I T O N G Tech Research. But mm-hmm. he's newer to the scene, like you said. But I think he's so far been pretty pretty reliable on on stuff that he has predicted to come I, to reality. I, I messaged him on LinkedIn and asked if we could have his research notes, and he said yes. So good guy, good guy, Jeff Poo. Uh, I think some of the stuff he's talking about too is he's first to mention it and is interesting um the first thing is that the iphone 15 non-pro model so every iphone 15 would have a version of the 48 megapixel camera that's currently on the iphone 14 pro and pro max um it's, it's interesting for a few reasons you know on the pro max they're able to 
pull off 2x zoom from that. And they have another lens for 3x zoom. So the main lens has 1x and 2x. The, the Pro has it as well on the iPhone 14. Yes. The iPhone, on the iPhone 14 so, so, Pro. So yeah, yeah, Pro, right, right. The Pro and Pro Max have the same lenses, yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. throwing out Max for no reason. But the Pro has that. Um, I, it, you know, in theory, so would the iPhone 15 with, with just two lenses. So then it would be two lenses, ultra wide and main. And the main lens would be 1x and then 2x if it uses the same approach as the 14 Pro does. Um, that would just leave 3x for pros. That would be interesting if they do that. It would be weird if they didn't do that and they did include the 48 megapixel camera. Um, other than that, I mean, uh, I, I I know photo quality is improved. I know that you've got the ability to actually shoot 48 megapixel uh, photos, um, use third-party apps to, to do that. Only if you um, use RAW in the Apple camera, which is really annoying. Yeah, RAW in the Apple camera or in third-party apps, you can use it to do, to do JPEG, et cetera. So... Um, it would be a bigger change than like the 13 to the 14, you know, I think even camera wise there. So we know chip wise, it just got the the better GPU version of the iPhone um, 13 Pro chip in the 14 this year. Um, but camera wise, was there anything notable? It was not in terms of hardware lenses. I don't think they made a they made a deal about action mode, if you remember. Um, sure. Yeah. For like better stabilization but that was more yeah. of a software thing it was so for think, the base for the baseline 14s the cameras are pretty the same as the 13 yeah yeah and, and there's the, i mean 48 megapixels for the iphone it does also mean pixel bending where you're going to get a um you know hopefully better better, yeah, hopefully better. in, in, in <laughs> certain situations <laughs> yeah uh, but i mean effectively the biggest thing here for me would be like you could get an iphone 15 um and then for the first time since i mean we've never had three lenses on a non-pro phone mm-hmm. we didn't get two lenses until the 7 plus so that was the bigger version the 10 had two lenses uh but not the 8 and so um we've we've had you know then once we got up to three then we've never had three on a non-pro phone now now the standard is is half x and one x so um and and i feel strongly that it would be more useful on the non-pro phones to have 1x and 2x or whatever zoom level than 1x and half x mm. in day-to-day uses i think people take more photos where 2x is like just it's just the better version and they end up people you zoom just, in more often than you zoom out right so totally. you end up using 2x and 3x way more than 0.5x and, and you get normal looking pictures from 2x when when with the ultra wide you know, maybe if it's a huge scenery that you're trying to capture, it will look normal. But in most situations, it's just like that's, you know, mostly a fisheye looking view of something. So it's kind of a, um, you know, kind of a trick to the camera versus like you're just trying to get the best picture you can. Um, and so without having an optical zoom beyond 1x, people do digital zoom on their expensive iPhone cameras and they end up getting just generally a worse looking picture than they would have uh, if, if there was 2x optical. So that's the biggest factor for me is like, because that was kind of my surprise favorite feature of the 14 pro was being able to do not just 3x but 2x again without adding a fourth lens um if they're able to do that in the 15 then then that's pretty compelling and um, what is the big trade-off with the 48 megapixel lens the the focal distance problem right so when you're up yeah. close it can't focus and what does the iphone 14 pro do to compensate for that it switches to the ultra wide and what does the iphone the base level iphones already have they have the ultra wide lens mm-hmm. so it can just work. Like, it can just work. They can. They'll have 0.5x, 1x, and 2x. So the 1 and 2x comes from the 48 megapixel, and the 
you know, the 0.5x can provide the macro mode when it's more necessary than ever now when you, your main lens is 40 megapixels. Yeah. And, and the gist of like, like the feeling of iPhone 14 family of phone sales is that um, there's, there's surprisingly more interest in the pro models than there is in the non-pro models, certainly early, you know, earlier on launch time, but maybe even like later than they expected it to be from Apple. So yeah, the, the mix yeah. might still be like the iPhone 15 sells the most, but a higher percentage than they assumed are going to pro, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. And I have to say, like when you're shopping around, you know, not, you know, like for in my situation would be shopping around for family or something. It's like 13 or 14, you know, what can you get more storage on, on a, or a better color option or something, you know, availability, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into buying something like that, but um, that's a, it's a comparison where it's like, what are the differences, you know, for the for the two? Uh, where whereas I think if they were to go on, on this change, like if the fourteen had this already, then it'd be like, oh, that's the one where you effectively get optical zoom for the first time on a non-pro phone, um, while also having the third lens. So, yeah. sounds good to me. If they do it. It's more compelling, I think, than the fourteen upgrade. Yeah, and in terms of differentiation with the pro line, the pro max this year is expected to get the telescope um thing yeah with mm-hmm. the zoom the the, so the 5x the 5x optical zoom yeah and um, the pro max periscope lens yeah exactly i was yeah. just no, i don't know why i said telescope periscope lens uh, telescope is the telescope is the exploded view of the lens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah, the periscope lens is believed to be coming to the pro max this year but not the pro so the only yeah. differentiation there would be the 3x lens i guess mm-hmm. it's pretty pretty reasonable i mean the big bigger bigger is definitely easier to do the periscoping trick when there's more internals because it's it's it's, it's angled. <laughs> it's, yeah it's it's physically bigger yeah uh periscope is that that is that is that twitter's video that was yeah, yeah 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 that we was kind of periscope thing. for a while yeah yeah a clever name clever name uh so that that's you know, we'll see how that works out, but I think that is a more compelling thing. And um, man, that's that's good to hear, I guess. Oh, and uh, the other pro differentiation for yeah. sure would be the chip because we're expecting the yeah. iPhone 15 base models to have the i the the A16, i.e., the current pro chip, but the iPhone 15 Pro line, Pro and Max, will get the A17, yeah. which is supposedly going to have ray tracing right because if they're bringing mm-hmm. up the, the gpu information that. story it's going to be built on three nanometers it's going to come with eight gigabytes of ram and supposedly there's also going to be USB-C, titanium frame etc cetera, etc cetera. so yeah. there'll be differentiation there for the pro line even if it's only the pro max getting the the periscope lens and this 14 pro chip would be used to power to to, to drive the 48 megapixel uh trickery on the iphone 15 mm. yeah. so that's but it all lines up. Well. It all lines up. Um, the next thing is about the Apple Watch Ultra for next year, so 2024. My my guess on Apple Watch Ultra for this year is that they make a new color option that's darker, and that's the the lineup change there. But you know, we've discussed at length though. But the, but the the thing it depends it, um, for me if the Apple Watch Series Nine has a, like if they add a new CPU in Apple Watch Series Nine, maybe they mm-hmm. just rev the Ultra with it as well. Yeah, they they t- they tend to go like three years per CPU change. They give but it. It's a been name. three years, so exactly. We're kind of due. Yeah, right. Yeah, we are. Uh, I, you know, and 
eight to nine. So seven to eight is the same design for series seven and series eight is the same design. The difference is the temperature sensor and crash detection. The nine, we don't think we have any rumors yet about what that, that would be, but we don't expect that to be a redesign, you know, and, and you can just look to the ultra for things that you would expect to see maybe action button, brighter screen, you know, improvement on battery life if they can. Um, but this, this rumor for next year for this uh, next year's Apple Watch ultra is that, it would be the first thing to use micro LED, which is the very confusing technology, display technology that is not mini LED, which is used on iPad and MacBook Pro. Micro LED is the thing that Apple's been investing in. I think they even it had even been reported years ago that the Apple Watch was probably the first thing to get this because of the size yeah. uh, and the price for what it is. Um, and, and what Jeff Poo says that the micro LED technology will do for the Ultra is enable a larger screen size. My guess on what that means is you still have the same or similar case design, but the bezels shrink. Mm. Yeah, because the bezels on the Ultra are quite... They're thick. Yeah, noticeable. With two, with two Cs, yeah. So that that for, for next year. So I'm going to stick with my prediction that the Ultra this year just gets a darker color option because that, I think that would be a good sales boost for it. I'm, I'm even going to predict that the new chip isn't faster this year and then that next year they they're, they're also saving the, the chip up speed upgrade for the the next round of ultra and that'll also happen to be in the series 10 which is a nice number series 10 yeah year. so specifically pew says that the current apple watch ultra screen is 1.93 inches diagonal and the micro led display will be 2.1 so that's quite mm. a big increase but that mm-hmm. probably is about right if you think about the screen bezel wise yeah, I mean, you, you, you've got the casing around the watch screen and then the bezel. And if you compare it to Series 7 or 8, which is the, the, the latest screen, you know, attractiveness on the Apple Watch, then it's a massive difference. It's not as bad as a Series 3 or earlier. Uh, I don't think it's even as bad as a Series 4 and 5 because that was, you know, edge to edge. But it was also, like, if you compare a 4 and 5 to a 6 and 7, excuse me, a four, five, and six to a yep. seven and eight. It's like uh, the four, five, and six is like wearing mascara around the eyes, you know, it's a little, little, little thicker, a little darker. Um, but yeah, room to, still room to go on that, especially compared to the seven and eight for the Ultra. It would be, if that's, you know, we talk about like, what does the Ultra need in the future? Well, it's got so many things that the series, series models don't have yet. So using this whole new screen type would be a uh, big deal. I could imagine the Series 9, i.e. this year's baseline Apple Watch, is like identical with Series 8. It adds one more health sensor and an, gets an action button on the side. Yeah. And if that's the update, the Apple Watch Ultra could just be sold as as seen for another year. It doesn't need any change. Right. Do you think the sensor... Hmm. I think they could do more with temperature with, with one year's work. There's been some blood pressure rumors, right? That's true. Yeah. But yeah, they could maybe make the, the temperature sensor more widely applicable. Maybe they could update it so it can get FDA clearance to be used for detecting fevers or something. Which um, could benefit the Ultra too, if it's literally just FDA. Yeah, sensors. like they might just rev the Ultra just with an upgraded temperature sensor. But they don't even necessarily have to do that. Like if the... even To be honest, even if the CPU got improved on the Series 9, they could sell the Ultra unchained for another year because the market yeah, for it fine. is very different. Yeah. Yeah. They, and they and you know 
if you wanted to have like some fake explanation, well, the Ultra is optimized for battery life and the Series 9 CPU, you know, would make the battery life worse. Like they could make up some excuse if they really wanted to. Um, mm-hmm. And then come back around 2024 with a bigger up Ultra update. Because, I mean, they've done it on like, it's awkward, but they do it. We've seen it on the iPad, right? Like they, they the iPad it, yeah. 10 has some newer features like a keyboard with function keys that the iPad Pro doesn't have. And it's like, well, this will get sorted out eventually. But for this year, this is the generation. So there you go. Yeah. And you know they did it with um um the when the iPad the older the the iPad Pro so the iPad Pro original 12.9 came out in 2015 right and then in the spring they added a 9.7 inch iPad Pro which had like a better um color gamut display it had true tone and some other stuff and the 2015 didn't change they just left it there for a generation and, until it got updated again in 2017 right so they've done that kind of stuff before. It's not a it's not a it's not a guarantee that just because the lower end model gets a new feature, the all the higher end models also have to add it immediately. It just means the next time the higher end models get updated, they'll get, you know, brought into line. But it's not like a requirement that it has to happen on the dot. Yeah, and watch upgrades don't happen year to year. It's it's I think it's often several years in between or just new watch sales in the first place. And I, I would say as an Apple Watch Ultra fan, that if if the ultra in the next year got heart rate or excuse me blood pressure or more functional temperature it wouldn't it wouldn't be like oh i'm going to give up these features from the ultra for that on the non-ultra yeah um most appealing would be a darker color option and then it would feel like okay yeah like like i could see them having the titanium finish they have now with with orange accent and then having one that's like all darker (laughs) you know consistently throughout so um We'll see. That's that's for next year. Uh, and then finally, Jeff Poo has some information about AirPods and about maybe kind of it seems like a, a product strategy correction for Apple. Um, that's because the, the big thing here is that he predicts or believes that there's this thing in a development that he calls AirPods Lite, um, AirPods SE maybe, you know. But it's basically the mainstream popular version of AirPods that was like the big phenomena and, and that that's the thing that people love the most and that they are losing sales from higher end models, not being as appealing because of price, et cetera. Um, also maybe just the fact that AirPods pro three and pro are different designs and AirPods pro one and two. And I don't know if this design is, would be three or if it would be the one and two design. I'd imagine one and two design though. And then that's how they, I mean, maybe pressure. I mean, they could go to a hundred dollars. They could go a little, a little bit below, maybe, but at least a hundred dollars. It feels, um, it feels about right that yeah. AirPods should be available. A model of AirPods should be under a hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they have to make a separate line to do it, then I guess so be it. Because like AirPods have were obviously a huge success. They've been selling gangbusters for many years. But I think around about now. People that want AirPods have got them. They're in a cycle where they don't need replacing. And, you know, Quo's talked about this before too, that he expects, and so does Jeff Poo, that AirPods shipments will decline in 2023. Partly due to, you know, satisfied demand and partly to recessionary pressures, right? The, sure. the AirPods not essential. You don't have to buy them. And so if you're, you know, if your wallets are squeezed, then they get, they get, they get pushed out of the priority list. And so... If Apple is seeing weakness in AirPod sales, then they have to shake the lamp a bit more than they have. And I think getting a a AirPods model below a hundred dollars would be a great way to do that, um, because mm-hmm. it just doesn't 
like they're just expensive things and if you lose them it's re- really sucks to buy them again and but if you can get them into the two digit price bracket if it, it feels a lot more palatable um and yeah who knows what airpods light would be they they probably wouldn't maybe they wouldn't even make a separate line it would just be some what did what did quo describe the apple tv 4k as uh design with lower cost structures or something do you remember yeah Uh, Yeah. it was it's just an airpods design with lower cost structures to be able to get the price down a bit more um because i feel like that's what they what they kind of need to do because i the people that haven't bought airpods yet probably haven't bought them because they're too expensive yeah like do you think that the that the chip inside is a price factor or it's all the other things that they associate with newer airpods with newer chips so a question here kind of leads into the next next uh topic but that this could be a push to get the h2 chip in more airpods that are being mm. sold without having it be only in the 250 dollars or however much more yeah i honestly have versions. no clue what what the cost is what the cost makeup of the airpods are so mm. you you have to assume newer chips cost more than older chips but it's also maybe just like the miniaturization of airpods 3 and airpods pro costs more than like a more bulkier design of like AirPods 2 or something or the first generation AirPods. Because I think the the internal structures are a lot more complicated nowadays because before mm-hmm. you'd have the big long stem and that would just house the battery. And then all the the, the, the whole motherboard could just be in that in that like bulbous bit on the end of the ear, of the earbud. Um, whereas now there's like a custom substrate motherboard thing. I think we saw some x-rays about that. Like it's the, the modern AirPods are a lot more complicated to make and manufacture just by the fact that they're smaller i think so maybe samples lights go more back to a traditional like stem design um just to make them cheaper and then they can still have the higher end models at the higher prices i mean look right now they're obviously having some desperation with airpod sales because they introduced the airpods without the airpods um pro 3 without <laughs> wireless charging case they for ten dollars less so they've, they've been trying to pull a lot of levers to get airpods uh, demand juiced even to the point of offering a wholly separate um model that is the exact same but with a non-wireless charging case that is only ten dollars less so they obviously have some demand issues there that they're trying to patch over um, yeah and, short term because there, there isn't expected to be any new airpods like ignoring airpods max like Air, airpods headphones you know pro or yeah. normal generation in Set 2023 yeah. yeah there isn't expected to be any new model this year so or color for them or, co- or colors yeah <laughs> so uh they're they they're just kind of stuck for this year with a decline and then they'll have to come back next year when they're ready with airpods light or something similar mm-hmm. yeah so and, and just to sort of recap this the current lineup so airpods pro are not sold new from apple anymore um it's, it's pro 2 only and that's the version where they i mean they they, they probably made that more expensive to, to make because there's just more features on the case and earphones and then they do they still sell airpods second generation at a lower price and then I think they do. three in the middle i think they're and 129 AirPods. if i'm remembering correctly yeah, yeah yeah and then uh airpods 3 are basically like pro minus noise cancellation and transparency right but like form factor wise is very similar and ear tips and everything or or yeah. no no ear tips it's, it's just no ear tips yeah slightly different fit and shape than airpods pro 2 yeah. but yeah they're, so ba- they're basically like airpods pro minus noise cancellation right because the yeah. the in-ear then they're on-ear rather than in-ear right yeah, well, I wonder if they could just retool the AirPods uh, 1 and 2 form factor, you know, like you said with the Apple TV um, cost structure approach and make that form factor even less to produce and, and also throw in um, a chip that has compatibility with, with, you know, other things. So so I've just double checked. They sell the AirPods second generation with yeah. non-wireless charging case 
for 129 Okay. So even a very old model of AirPods is still $30 above the $99, you know, threshold. Yeah, you've got to go to sales prices to get $99 AirPods yeah. that came out in 2017 or so. So I definitely feel like it's about time for Apple to have an AirPods lineup that's a bit cheaper. Yeah. So way to go to Jeff Poo. You got three original uh, Apple hardware predictions, stories. And none reports. of them sound ridiculous. No, they don't. They don't. Yeah. They're All original, they original, um, original predictions, but none of them sound out of out of character. Yeah. Funny this week. Happy Hour is sponsored by Pillow. More and more studies are showing that getting a good night's sleep improves your health and well-being in more ways than you can imagine. And Pillow is an all-in-one sleep tracking app to help you be more aware of your sleep patterns and discover what might be affecting your sleep quality. Pillow tracks and analyzes your sleep automatically and you can check in with a full report of your sleep the very next morning. If you have an Apple Watch, tracking your sleep is as easy as wearing it to bed. If you don't, you can do it through the iPhone or iPad app. Just tap a button to start your sleep session. You can even record sounds of the night like sleep talking, apnea, or other noises that might be affecting how you sleep. And use the Pillow app to check trends, get personalized insights, and compare your sleep metrics with your weight, steps, caffeine consumption, and more. And use smart alarms to get woken up at the most optimal time, aiming to wake you up when you're in a stage of lightest sleep. And crucially, Pillow is privacy-minded. All of your sleep and audio data is encrypted and stored on your device. And when it's communicating with iCloud, it's using end-to-end encryption. Pillow is free to download from the App Store with a set of features that you can use for free every day and try Pillow's premium features with a seven-day free trial. Just visit Pillow.app to get started. That's Pillow.app to get started. Thanks to Pillow for sponsoring the show. Ah, more information reports. <laughs> I again assume Wayne Ma. This is about the Apple reality headset, mixed reality headset. Uh, you covered the story, Mayo. So uh, what is it? This is, and the information, to be fair, has had a lot of reporting on the AR headset for several years. <laughs> uh, but as we said at the start of the show, it's 2023. This is it. This is the year where they're going to unveil it. Whatever the thing is, they're going to unveil we're almost 100% certain some kind of mixed reality. I don't know anything. <laughs> mixed reality headset. I, I don't know anything specifically, but just based on all the rumors, all the speculation, it supposedly went into hardware prototypes as of like the end of last year. So, you know, most people, at the if you went to 2022, people thought it was going to be announced at the end of 2022 and it obviously slipped slightly. Uh, right. But, you know, there's been rumors of a January unveiling, a March unveiling, maybe. So whatever. This is the year not hearing any other word about it. They're going to announce some kind of headset this year. And the information has done their latest rundown of what they believe all the specifications will be. Now, there's some. it's a long story, but a lot of it is repeating what we've heard before. So I'm not going to focus on that too much, but, you know, dual 4K displays for each eye based on an M2 chip and runs. And then they, they do a bit of recap about, you know, Johnny Ive wanting a design like this. And then the... the prototype people want to design like this and it went back and forth a little bit but the interesting like tidbits were around the headband and audio and um specifically the headbands are smart so unlike an apple watch which has a very dumb like the the bands don't do anything right they're just smart pieces of plastic Yeah. yeah They're just, they're just literally bands. You can take them off, you can put them on, you can get third-party bands, you can do whatever you want. But uh, like like other AR or VR headsets that exist, to keep to pack in all the technology you need, the, he- the headband itself contains electronics. And 
uh, uh, the information says the headband will have a speaker in it. Um, it will have built-in speakers, but the speakers can be heard by others if you're nearby. So for privacy reasons, Apple is considering uh, requiring the use of AirPods for private conversation. So if you're doing like a FaceTime call or you're doing like a video conferencing uh, call on the headset so that people near you can't hear what the other person's saying, they'll require you to wear headphones and specifically Apple's headphones so that you don't get the audio bleed. And the reason they're going to require Apple's headphones is because they've tested it with third-party headphones and the lag between what you see on screen and what you hear in your ear because of Bluetooth uh, delay is just far too high to be acceptable and it creates a poor user experience. So Apple has requiring the use of their airpods and specifically airpods with the h2 chip and right now that's only the second generation airpods pro because according to the information uh, the uh, the h2 chip has a secret like low latency mode which will allow it to work with the headset um because the headset will also have a h2 chip inside it and they'll synchronize together and allow uh, what you see on screen to be instantly reflected with audio in your ears and apple is supposedly working hard to release other the entire airpods lineup with upgraded um processors so right now it's only the second generation airpods pro but by the time the headset is like widely available there'll be some other airpods options that will also have the fast h2 chip inside it okay so, so it's kind of bit. awkward that yeah you're going to need a specific apple headphones to use a product like this yeah well it's for latency it's not because the sales are are declining <laughs> yeah although i don't think a three thousand dollar headset is really going to juice us the airpods line up too much me neither they, they, those people already have airpods like technologically um, this justification yeah. makes sense but i mean you could have on board things that go in your ear as part of the headset right yeah it feels mm-hmm. kind of clunky that it can't all be all in one or like mm-hmm. The headset can't have like, I don't know, bone conduction speakers or something. Which I, asks, I was thinking of that as well, which yeah. is a pretty, like, you don't get a lot of output unless it's touching your skull. <laughs> so yeah. it's pretty private. I mean, you you can blare bone conducting headphones, but for the most part, you hear it from the vibrations that, you know, through your bones. So Yeah, hmm. so I don't know how to think about this. It just feels like another clunky element of a somewhat clunky product <laughs> yeah and it gets clunkier too <laughs> yeah that is true because also speaking of the battery um in terms of how this thing is powered the latest information report says that apple will use a waste mounted battery pack that's connects to the headset cool. wire so you have to put the battery in your pocket so that the headset can be used because earlier prototypes had the headset have its own battery inside it, but it was very heavy uh, and it was also, you know, like heat or whatever. So uh, by having an external battery pack thing, um, it means that the actual headset can be much lighter on the head, it's more comfortable, and theoretically a customer can have multiple battery packs on them that they can swap out if they want to keep going. Because according to the information report, one battery pack will give you about two hours of use. So if you want to use it for four hours at a time, you'd have to carry multiple batteries on you and swap them out, and there'll be like a MagSafe power connector thing um, that will make it nice and easy to switch the batteries, but the end result is still like you know avatar style you've got this connected battery to the head to the headband is this why um, Schiller left because he's like no not, a, not under my watch 
<laughs> According to the information, uh, Jonathan Ive, you know, uh-huh. senior chief designer of Sir Apple Incorporated, did prefer the separate the separate battery pack option uh, because he thought putting it in the headset it made it feel too bulky. It made the headband feel too too bulky. Mm-hmm. Uh, Apple internally didn't like the idea. They tried um, internal combined batteries, uh, but supposedly they then reverted and now they're back to the external battery pack design. Mm-hmm. Sounds cool. Other, like other, uh, some some other competing headsets on the market today have integrated batteries. Some others use external battery packs. So yeah. it's a bit of a toss up. But this isn't, this isn't like so crazy. This isn't like so crazy that it, I don't believe it. It's just kind of you feel like for the Apple solution, it'd be nice if it was integrated into the headband. Well, into both the actual- of these things, uh, the speaker situation. I mean, you know, earphone situation. I, I guess you'd say, and this, it's like you. I think you'd want some level of battery built in without having a separate cord attaching you to a power supply, you know, battery of some sort. Um, I, I could see them. I, I could see this being like, okay, you want longer performance. So you do the battery thing. But if you, you know, want to watch a half hour TV show or something or do, you know, some experience, do a fitness plus workout or, you know, watch a ball game or something, then you're, you've, you've got what you need to go, but it's, this is for extended use. But if it's for like turning it on, <laughs> it's, 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 this is a lot to ask, I think, of, of people for a thing that's... You kind of hope it has at least uh, some internal battery. So, like, yeah. when you swap the battery packs over, it doesn't, like, shut down. Yeah. Because yeah. that'd be annoying as well. Um, yeah. Don't know. Don't know. In terms of input, the information says that Apple is mostly relying on hand tracking and voice recognition. Um, they've explored, like, an accessories, like a wand-style accessory or a finger thimble kind of thing. We've seen these come up in patterns a few times over, but according to the information, they don't think those will be primary input devices if they exist at all. They're going to mostly rely on hand tracking and voice recognition. Gaming is not expected to be a big focus, so Apple haven't, for instance, designed a dedicated gaming controller to use with it. At least not yet. That is what the <laughs> Of course says. not. It was yeah. a focus on the Apple TV and they didn't design a controller for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The, that's it, what people do with vr though they do gaming with they it do, exactly exactly uh, it's primarily a console yeah this is so in the weeds of like what actually people what actually is apple expecting people to use this thing for that's going to cost yeah. in the region of two to three thousand dollars uh the information says that video conferencing is a primary use case maybe educational content will be another use case you're supposed to be able to run like ipad apps in like a 2d format on the screen maybe with like a multiple windows at once floating in front of you watch the moon landing which has never been reproduced before yeah sarcasm <laughs> I, I really it's hard to get to to find something in these articles that are like this is why loads of people are going to buy it and that's why yeah. i think it's not going to be positioned like that it's going to be first generation you know pro display xdr kind of territory like this is for serious professionals doing some serious job that apple thinks that will be benefited by you know, AR, VR environments, kind of like how Microsoft um, positions the HoloLens, you know? Mm-hmm. And even even the MetaQuest Pro, Facebook was going for a more enterprise positioning on that. They do sell it to consumers. Consumers can buy it if they want to. Uh, but it's mostly aimed at, like, enterprise use cases. And I kind of feel like that's where this headset's going to land from Apple, at least the first-generation one. Yes, they have ambitions to make consumer glasses and, you know, stuff like that. But yeah. I re- everything that we read, I don't feel like this this version of the headset is going to be positioned like that. And I saw something where, like, I think Jason Snell on um, Upgrade was saying, like, he thinks they should um, take 
either take a loss or sell the headset cost so it doesn't cost three grand mm-hmm. so that it can be a consumer success. But I, I'm not sure it needs to be a consumer success. I don't think Apple's going to position it as a, as a consumer product. If they do, it's going to fail. Like, that's the reality. <laughs> and sure. so if they can keep their nice margin, they can just sell fewer, a, a few of them. And even, you know, going back two years, Mark Gurman said that Apple only expects to sell like one per day per retail store or something. So mm-hmm. I think they get it. Like, this is a first generation product. It's going to be a crazy good tech demo. You know, it's going to it's going to be the best he- headset that's on the market. And just like all the other headsets on the market, basically nobody's going to buy it. And yeah, I don't, I don't know if it will be the best. I don't know if, if it will. If like maybe the, you know, ignore the Facebook meta part, but maybe the, the you know, uh, routes to Oculus Quest is just the the most popular and also like functionally good technology factor. Maybe this could this could do too much or or do it in a way that isn't you know, palatable for people. And I would also say you and I lived through the Apple watch rumors, the iWatch rumors before it was a product that was announced. And I don't feel like anything was ever this clunky about it. Like mm-hmm. there's never the rumor of like, you're going to have to charge this thing while you wear it connected to an iPad battery in your pocket. The only thing that happened with the Apple watch rumors that I can recall is that there was so much consternation around battery life. Like sure. this, the, the Apple Which watch is only going to last four hours or it's going to last eight hours or it's, you know, it's not, you're not going to get through a whole day with it. And then the Apple watch came out and Apple quoted 18 hours. And realistically you could last a whole day and just charge it at night and you were fine. Just don't use it too much, right? Until later yeah, versions. yeah. And in the early days, you know, if you used a workout and stuff, it would drain the battery a lot faster. But the second generation, third generation models made that a lot smoother. And even the first generation watch, you didn't have to charge it multiple times a day if you just used it lightly. Um, this headset thing, I think the two-hour thing, I'm not surprised that it's only going to last two hours and one charge because it's just an expensive operation. Like, you're basically running a laptop chip, you're running the M2 chip, you know, in this small headset. And the battery pack is not going to be as big as a battery that's in a laptop. But what does what does AR and VR experience require? They require the GPUs to be running basically full blast because you need high fidelity. You need to drive two 4K displays to look really nice in your eyes. So it's just going to be a device that's limited to short experiences um, at launch. And that's why it's not going to be mass consumer. And I don't think yeah. Apple's like has any ambition for the first generation headset to be mass consumer thing. It's going to be announced. It's going to be cool. It's going to be like aspirational and in year or two years time they're going to come up with like a more consumer focused product yeah I, I, i'll clarify earlier things talk about nba next next vr i think my preference for watching basketball a basketball game NBA game would be in person first and then on tv in a normal environment where i can multitask and not have something on my face and then thirdly would be this this method it's like if there's no tv <laughs> i can't watch on my ipad or my computer i can't mean you can theoretically multitask with a headset on and Apple's going to have a, the pass-through mode so you can see the real But then you only world. get one hour battery life, though. Yeah. <laughs> and the games are longer than that. So. <laughs> you can put it on your face, enjoy one in one, enjoy one basket, and then you have to put yeah. it away. At yeah. halftime, swap your battery out. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, we'll see it this year. I'm, I'm definitely not, like, I'm pessimistic on it being a consumer product. And I think if Apple tries to present it as a consumer thing, it's going to be a big disaster. And so that's why I don't expect it to have, like, a an Apple Watch style rollout where it has its own, like, you know, announcement in September. And then there's another event about it in the, in the spring. And then it comes out. Like, I feel like it's going to be a much more muted affair. Like, like the Pro Display XDR or, like, a Mac Pro is introduced, you know? Like, mm-hmm. those products are introduced with the expectation. Some, some people care a lot. Mm-hmm. Most people don't care. Most people won't buy it, right? Like, mm-hmm. 
and Apple doesn't make a big song and dance about it. It's not the future of the company kind of situation. It's just like, this is really cool. You know, some people will buy it, but other guys, otherwise you can chill. And the technical development that we've done on it will, you know, filter downwards to consumer lines in the future. Do you think there's a greater than 10% chance that Apple eventually at some point makes a decision and says, what we have right now isn't ready yet? That we're going to... Mm, I, I don't and, think you can do it. Like... You don't think so? They have to ship something, I think, is there is They have to prove that they're on the track, right? But if you like, ship the wrong thing, though, it can be... Disastrous. You know what it kind of reminds me like? And it's not a direct parallel, but like... You know how Apple TV Plus ships with four shows, right? Yes. What were they going to do? Not ship with four shows and just sit on a load of content for two years and then ship a hundred shows at once? Like... It was just, there was never a good way to get started. They just had to start. I kind of feel like that's what we are with the headset. If they wait for there to be like an actual consumer device that's actually going to be bought by millions of people, they're not going to be ready for another like five years. And by that time, the the ecosystem might have time to develop. You know, people won't be interested in it. Maybe other companies have have got too much of an in-bake lead, like... All of the engineering and R&D will just be wasted. Engineers will leave because they want to see stuff ship, even if it's not being bought by loads of people. It's not fun just working on stuff forever that never actually sees the light of day. You can see the Project Titan turnover for, I think, a corollary there. The the headset thing, there's too much speculation about it. Like this information article, it talks about how Apple's got a system ready so you can, you know, plug in prescription lenses with a magnetic attachment. Like, why would they make all this stuff and why would they make all these hardware prototypes if they weren't planning to sell it? Like... It's not like it's just. I think it's unrealistic. Like something is going to ship, even if they and it, just like the Protus XDR shipped, it'll be here. You go. There's this thing. We know it's ex- super expensive. We know only a few people are going to want it, uh, but for the people that do, we hope it's pretty good. And then we'll see you again in two or three years' time for the next generation. I mean, they certainly iterated with the watch, where they released the first watch. Where I mean, it took until the fourth version to have the screen not turn off. Uh, it's like yep. the default, and then. You know, certainly the first version, which I think was on the market for 18 months before a replacement came about. You know, I think enthusiasts like me got a lot of use out of it. And it it took later versions for there to be more utility out of it. They didn't add cellular to the third generation, for instance. Mm-hmm. Like, Yeah. But Just I think this the- product is going to come out with even less utility than the first Apple Watch. Yeah. Yeah. But that's okay. If, as long as they position it fine... It's uncharacteristic for the company, but I think some markets require this kind of entrance, and this is going to be one of them. Um, so if they if they chill out and they don't like hype it up as the next big thing of the entire world, it'll be it'll be received in the way that it's meant to be received, and it'll be fine. Yeah, I think it's really unlikely that like with all of these rumors about all of these like compromises, cost, you know, all of this stuff, and what we just know about the state of art of technology, I think it's really unlikely that Apple has like a consumer thing that's going to be available even if it was like because even if you ignore the price tag situation something that only runs for two hours at a time is not mass consumer and i it's completely unrealistic to me that oh all the rumors are wrong and really it's going to be able to last all day you'll be able to have it on your face all day long and do whatever you want with it it's just not practical um and you can look at like the metaquest products for an example of of where you know the average company is in terms of state of the art and you can you know add some sort of like percentage improvement that you can assign to apple's ingeniousness and it's still not close enough to be mass consumer product so why even try and obviously apple is is rich with cash and they don't have to ship something they could 
blow it all up and abandon it if they really wanted to but why i feel like if that was the case we'd be much more hearing along the project titan star rumors where it's like this has gone back to the drawing board they're looking at a new date for a new product this is like all the rumors we've heard to date so far they talk about this headset and they talk about you know the consumer glasses with a different code name that i can't remember but they're destined for like 2026 kind of time frame and so why would you not believe that that's what i think is going to happen it matches with everything we've heard elsewhere you know if tim cook wanted to set some billions of dollars on fire and make a load of employees angry then yeah he could ship nothing at all but <laughs> what's the point you might as well come out with something and you know show off even if no one's going to buy it yeah okay well i'm gonna boldly say headset in 2024 because <laughs> <laughs> we can do a lot in a year's work <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right. That's the Happy Hour podcast for this week. Uh, welcome back, everybody, to the new year. Uh, if you enjoy the show, please follow us, subscribe, and Apple Podcasts for the ad-free version. That's $5 a month or $50 per year. Cheaper than a battery replacement, certainly. Uh, if you have any feedback for the show, you can email Benjamin and I together at happyhour at 9to5mac.com. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at ApolloZach, which is A-P-O-L-L-O-Z-A-C. Benjamin, you're on Twitter at BZA Mayo. And we'll be back next week. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.